Welcome to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. Please remain standing. Pastor Chad has uh, his son Isaac who sings. Did he already exit? Where is Pastor Chad? Ah, uh, just does an awesome job, Isaac does. But I think the old boy still got it. Give a God bless you to Pastor Chad. Whew. The CDs will be available on Cyber Monday. I don't know. Two things before you're seated and before the choir exits. My sincere appreciation to Elder Don Harris. And I am going to get overwhelmed here, but for the eloquence and for the sincerity of his words regarding my wife and I and for your love for us. The measure of our love for you is not based on whether you could give us something or not at any time of the year. The measure of our love for you, I trust, has been proven for the almost 29 years we have served. And I have my challenges and I miss it sometimes and I don't get to return all the calls and make all the visits, but I've got a great team who helps me. And I get a lot of credit for a lot of things, but I've got men and women on my team that are full of the Holy Ghost, who love God, and I couldn't have made it through these last nine months without them. But I'll tell you one thing. On December 22, this woman would have been my wife for 35 years. This is my southern belle, Georgia Peach. And I know the color of our skin, you can't tell, you know, that there's a difference. And we have had the greatest Thanksgiving ever because we have had that addition to our family in the person of Fallon Celeste Bailey. The greatest Thanksgiving ever because, as Brother Don said, we're back. We're back. So I want to, I didn't end the first service because Valerie, I don't ask her to come to both of them now because it's, it's challenging to be here. But when I do, she does. She wants to be here. But I just want to say thank you for your expressions all year long. You know the greatest thing you can do for me and for she? The greatest thing is remember us in prayer. Because there is a devil. He's real. And if he can get the, if he can get the head of the shepherd, he can try to scatter the sheep. But he's not going to. Another thing. Put on the screen for me the picture of lovely four-year-old. Not, not this lovely, but there's another picture. I'm going to have prayer for and I'm going to change the tone here. We're going to pray for this precious child whose parents were in the first service and I don't know if they're in this service. The parents, stay with me here, honey, I'll move around, but you stay right there. The parents are Trey and Deidre Bembry. Are you here? They, and they don't have to be here. I learned on last Sunday, this is Karis. She's four years old. Karis for some months have been suffering with headaches. The doctors locally thought that maybe she had a virus 
and it would go away or perhaps some allergy symptoms. While Deidre was at work Thursday a week ago, the Holy Spirit said, take her right now. She'd been to several ERs, but she took her to the ER at Scottish Rite. Just, I have time for this because you know what this church is about? It's about people. People. It's not about buildings. It's not about, it's about people. Jesus died on the cross for people. It has been discovered that she has a mass on her brain that is cancerous and malignant and inoperable. And without some kind of help, divine help, she, and good medical help, she wouldn't have but about 18 or 19 months. She has started radiation. I learned about it Sunday and Pastor JC, I picked him up from the airport. We were headed to for sight. Whether I was headed there or not, I was going to go see Karis. So when we got there, Pastor JC and I, she was so, uh, Karis was so confused. They put her on medication that had adverse side effects on her and she was not the child. She perhaps, the, the four-year-old would be and loving and playful because later on, I have another picture of her in her little Cinderella outfit or little uh, crown. and So she thought maybe we were physicians and she she huddled up to her mother and started crying a little bit. And I thought, Holy Ghost, how can we get her to know we love her? And so I took out my little anointing oil that I keep in, in my car and I had in my pocket. And I, I, I said, I'm going to anoint everybody. And I did her mother and I did me and I did... Uh, relatives, I did Pastor JC. I said, can I put a little bit of oil? Smell it. And it's called the oil of gladness. So she let us do that. We prayed. And after we prayed, Pastor JC said to her, would you like a piggyback ride? She got right out of that bed, got on his back, and toured the halls of Scottish Ride Hospital laughing. <laughs> then then the next, the next picture is uh, she and I, which is the better of the two pictures. I gave her, I said, would you like to keep this oil? I gave her my little bit of oil, and I said, every time you smell it, think of Jesus. I gave her the key, one of the keys to the kingdom that I keep in my pocket. And I said to her mother, did you get, you get this key? And the scripture says in Matthew 16 and 19, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Every time you hold the key. You know what my Christmas miracle and blessing is going to be? Not money and another tie please do not give me my children you okay okay my children needs to know i don't need socks ties and handkerchiefs i'm going shopping after christmas and returning all that stuff my gift and her gift and yours will be that child healed of cancer how many believe it clap louder if you believe it get somebody by the hand Get somebody by the hand. Pray for Karis. Keep a picture on the screen. I don't care if you keep your eyes open. Ask God. If you need a miracle, you pray for Karis' miracle. Her mother's Deidre. Her father's Trey. And their last name is Bembry. Come on. I don't care whether you pray in the Holy Ghost or you pray in English. But pray. Bind a, bind a spirit of cancer. Come on. In the name of the Father. In the name of the Son and the Holy Ghost. 
I bind the spirit of cancer, God. I bind, oh God, this disease in the name of Jesus. I pray not only will the tumor be reduced, but I pray it will be removed in the name of Jesus. I pray this girl will dance and run and shout and live to be a ripe old age. And God, the, the doctors and the radiologists and the nurses, they'll be the best people, oh God. Put in the right hands, but change their lives. Because you give Karis a miracle, God. Give it to Trey, her daddy, and her mother, Deidre. And she's got a twin sister, God. Bless her twin sister. And bless, oh God, their baby in the name of the Lord. That's what we want for Christmas, things that money cannot buy. Things that we cannot put under a tree. But we need it in our hearts. And we give you the praise for her miracle in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you, honey. Thank you, choir. Could you remain standing just a moment more for the word? I apologize for having you stand so long, but choir, you may descend. Others of you may take your scriptures and go with me, please, to the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter number one, two, pardon me. And all this month until our Christmas Eve service, which is the 24th on a Tuesday at four o'clock, I'm going to be talking about the purpose of Christmas. Every Sunday, I'm going to talk about it because... The, the world is doing its best to make all the money it can off of Jesus Christ, but they don't want us to say Merry Christmas. The world is doing even Christmas in July sales. They're doing all they can. They've taken the nativity out of government building, taken the cross. They're, they're, a lot of merchandisers don't want you, they want you to say Happy Holiday. No, say Merry Christmas. Keep Christ in Christmas. If you offend somebody, then don't be mad at them. Just say, God bless you. Don't be rude. But the world don't mind offending us with their cussing and their swearing and vulgarity and, and just nastiness on regular TV. We, don't, we Christians must rise up and celebrate Christ all year long. So you can never get enough of Jesus. Merry Christmas is what we're saying. Amen. The story this morning is about the wise men. It begins in Matthew 2 with verse 1. And I'll switch in a moment, gentlemen, to the other mic. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them whether Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for thus is written by the prophets. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king they departed and behold a star which had been in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was when they saw the star they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy and when they had come into the house they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him and when they had opened their treasures they presented gifts to him gold frankincense and myrrh and being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another way. Can you say amen to the word? Here's your prayer for me. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, 
anoint Pastor Allen and anoint me to be changed by your word. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. The title for this morning's lesson is, What do you do when you follow a star and find a stable? What do you do when you follow a star and find a stable? The truth of how we behave in life and how we react to things has much to do with our expectations. For example, our conduct is usually controlled by our expectations. Think on it now. Think about Christmas time. And if you have young children at home or grandchildren are coming over, think about Christmas Eve and the children's anticipation of Christmas morning and their conduct for getting ready to open the gifts the next morning. They have already been under the tree and shook that thing till they almost broke it. You have wrapped it up to really make it not look like a ball or a bike, but you can't help it. It looks like a ball and a bike. And you have prepped them and their behavior on Christmas Eve because of the expectation of gifts. They don't want to go to sleep. They want to stay up till Santa Claus, so to speak, comes. You're thinking, I've been working all day, wrapping gifts, doing all this, and entertaining family. And, and you're praying, oh God, please let them go to sleep, and then we'll get up in the morning and do this. And they get up, and they're, in most cases, their expectations are met, and they're so happy. You take those same children, if they're school age, and you let Chris, uh, New Year's come, and they have to go back to school on the first day of back to school, and they got to ride the bus the next morning and go to school. You can't even wake them up with a cowbell or a trumpet because they uh, did not want to go to school. Their expectation is, I hate school, therefore I'm not happy. That's kind of the way it is with us. Our expectations usually is manifested by our conduct. I got a cute little story here that Pastor J.C. sent to me and I got it yesterday and my wife passed it on about how this business of expectations manifests itself in our conduct. And I just think it'll kind of help you to appreciate what's going on. The story is about a young boy who desperately wanted a bicycle for Christmas. He asked his parents for the bike. His parents wanted to teach him the importance of prayer so they suggested that the young boy should write a letter to Jesus and pray for a bike instead. Well, the boy wasn't pleased with his parents' response, so he immediately threw a temper tantrum, which got him in more trouble, and he had to be sent to his room by his parents. Well, when he was finally in his room and he got to thinking about it, he decided to take his parents' advice, and he decided he would write a letter to Jesus. And his letter went like this, Dear Jesus, I have been a good boy this year and would love to have a new bicycle. Can you see if I can have a new bicycle? Your friend, Johnny. Now, Johnny knew that Jesus really knew what kind of boy he had been that year. So he ripped up the letter and decided to give another try. Second letter. Dear Jesus, I have been an 
okay boy this year. And I want a new bicycle. Yours truly, Johnny. Well, Johnny knew that wasn't totally honest, so he tore it up again and, and then decided he would try a third letter. The third letter, he said, is, Dear Jesus, I thought about being a good boy this year. Can I have a bicycle? Johnny. Then Johnny looked deep in his heart, according to the story, which is really what his mother and father wanted him to do, look in his heart. And he knew that he had been a bad boy and he really just hoped he'd receive something simply because Jesus loved him. So he crumpled up the letter he wrote, threw it in the trash can. He went downstairs where his mother had a nativity set or scene placed on the fireplace mantle. He took the statue of Mary, the mother of Jesus, wrapped it in a blanket and hid it under his bed. And then he wrote his fourth letter to Jesus. He said, Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again, give me a bicycle. Some of us have had that kind of year. We dare not ask Jesus for nothing. I like what somebody said. And the story this morning is about the three wise men. Okay? But somebody asked the question, Do you know what would have happened if there had been three wise women instead of three wise men? Now think about this. If there had been three wise women instead of three wise men who came to the stable or the place where Jesus was, number one, they would have asked for directions and got there earlier. Number two, if it had been three wise women instead of three wise men, they would have arrived on time. Number three, if it had been three wise women instead of three wise men, they would have helped deliver the baby. Let me tell you, when our granddaughter... Fallon Celeste Bailey came about 10 days ago. That lady and my other daughter and the daddy, they were in the labor room. I was laboring outside near my cell phone way down the hall. I didn't even want to hear the girl holler. Much less, you know, uh, that's a different, that's a different story. Uh, not only would, if, if it had been three wise women instead of three wise men, they would not just come to this table, they'd have cleaned up the thing. They would have made a casserole. They would have brought practical gifts to the baby. And somebody said, there would be peace on earth. And all the ladies said, but there wasn't three wise uh, women. It was three wise men. So we got the story. But there's lessons there too. I, I I would venture this. Isn't it true that every one of us had had times in our lives when we followed a star and it looked so promising only to find out that we ended up in a stable? If, if you're old enough and you can, and you go back and you find your high school graduation pictures and your yearbook, and you look around at your friends, and you look around at the dreams and the visions and the one who was voted most likely to succeed, most popular senior, all that kind of stuff, and they autograph your book because they were headed to college, you autograph your, the, their book and, and, and left a note, and now it's five years away, maybe ten years away, and, and maybe twenty years away for some. From graduation and high school. And you're looking at uh, some of your friends, you don't even know where they are. They started to follow a star, a career, a dream, a vision. And somehow, and even maybe in your life, it ended to be a stable. I don't want to, I don't want to be negative today. I appreciate your generosity. I just want to be transparent. But I've done many, many wedding ceremonies. I've done a lot of counseling over couples in my 
over 30 years of ministry. And I have, uh, I have counseled couples and I've met them at the altar and, and dad's bringing daughter down the aisle as it's a tradition to do and, and best man and a groom is awaiting her arrival and, and she looks beautiful and he looks handsome and they come and we pray and they exchange vows, they exchange rings and you think this is really a Cinderella dream playing out. You think this couple has, they're going to follow a star, they're going to have a great marriage, they're going to have lovely children, he's going to have a great career. And I've gone back in my book where I keep records of everyone that I've done their ceremony. And I'm sad to say that for many of them, their marriage ended in a stable. Sometimes their own fault, sometimes somebody else's. Because that's what life does at times. Uh, maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe, maybe it's a situation with your job. You got employed with this company. You thought, I would work here the rest of my life. I will receive, I will start at a low grade. I'll work my way up. I'll get insurance. I'll get a retirement account. I will, I will, I will uh, be able to see my pay increase. I'll make friends. I'll be a part of this company. And to have the boss one day call you in and you know it's your time for promotion. You're all excited. And you find out somebody else got the job and you were passed over when it was your turn and what you were doing is following a star and you were hoping for the best and ended up in a stable. Many people get to retirement age and they saved up all they can. And they, they just want to rest a little bit and want to enjoy the family, maybe travel a little bit. But because of what somebody else did and somebody else wasn't thinking and, and, and their reaction or their behavior uh, to a lifestyle of addiction or a lifestyle of, 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 of promiscuity. Now you're in your retirement age and you're having to raise somebody else's children whom you love very much or even still having to board your own adult children. And I'm not here to slam anybody, but it's not what it was promising. The star turned out to be a stable. Sometimes when you follow a star, it doesn't always come out like you want it to come out. And I want to give a little credit here. This, this sermon, I, I came across this sermon uh, in 1996, uh, uh, the, written by John Maxwell, whom I've, I've been blessed to know his ministry for quite some time. So if you're listening on the internet and you're, you're, you're going to see us on TV, you're saying, he stole that for John Maxwell. No, I didn't steal it. I paid money for that, that sermon. Okay? So I'm just using the outline here, but I, I'm not telling John's story. I'm telling mine. Okay? Sometimes when you follow the star, it doesn't always come out like you want it to. But the beautiful part of the Christmas story and the wise man is what they do when they come to the stable. What you do when you come to your place that you thought was going to be a star and it turned out to be a meteorite. Now John Maxwell didn't put that down. I made that up. The actions of these wise men tells us why they were called wise men even after their visit to Jesus. Now here's the first thing you do. When you end up in a stable in life that stinks... And pardon me if you don't like that analogy, but there are some places in life where things just stink. And all the honest people say amen, and the rest of you all give an altar call in just a little bit, and you can say amen. Two Sundays ago, I preached to you on one more night with the frogs. It was one of the ten plagues that God put on Pharaoh and the Egyptians for keeping his people in bondage. And the Bible says when they pile up all the dead frogs, the land stank. Here in the south, we call it stunk. And we, we, when we find ourselves in a stable, and if you've ever been in a stable where there are live animals, then you know, I don't care what kind of perfume you wear or balm you wear, you're going to come out smelling like it. 
What do I do when I follow a star? I got dreams and visions and, and, and things beating in my chest. I'm going to be somebody, do something, start my own business, finish high school, finish college, be a so, and, and you end up in a stable. Number one, you look for God. I wish somebody would say amen. The wise men went to the palace of Herod. Because they were looking for the Christ child. They brought expensive gifts. They were traveling, some theologian says, for months. And some even say for two years. And they were following the star. They go to Herod's palace because they're expecting a palace and a prince to be born to the king and Herod was the king at the time. And Herod is surprised by this and he's not only surprised, he's angry because if you know anything about Herod, you know if he didn't like the way you look, he'd have you killed. He had John the Baptist killed. He had James killed. He had Peter in prison and was getting ready to kill him until an angel rescued him. Can I get an amen from the church? So Herod calls the wise men secretly after he speaks to all his astrologers and even Jewish people. And he said, what, what is this about a king is born? And the scribes and the others who know about the prophecy of a child being born, the Christ child, said, yes, it, it is to be born in Bethlehem. And I read it to you in your scripture in verse 6. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Israel. For out of you shall come a ruler with a capital R who will shepherd my people Israel. And Herod... Herod says, you go, wise men, or however they were referred to, you find that child, and when you find that child, you come back and tell me so I can worship him. And you know what Herod's plans was, the Bible tells us. His plan was that there be no threat to his throne. And you know that at the end of the story, and I'll get to it in here just a moment, that after the wise men found the child in a stable and maybe by then the Bible says they were in a house because he didn't live in the stable. However, where, when they found him, it would be in a meager location. It would be his father who is his earthly father by adoption is a carpenter whose name is Joseph. Mary and Joseph didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have a fancy house. They didn't have, like my little granddaughter has, a beautiful room all for herself. And they got television monitors and they got speakers in that room. And they got, they got the matching uh, crib and they got the matching dresser. And they, I'm telling you, if they don't spoil her, I'm going to slap. I mean, if they don't spoil my granddaughter, I'm going to do it myself. But they, they're doing really good. And I'm not against all that. But it was a stable. It, the wise men, after they visited, even when they got to the stable, they looked for God. And they found Him. Can I get a witness, church? They knew in their hearts that this is the Son of God. Because the angels had declared it to the shepherds and they showed up. Come on, somebody say amen. 
They knew, I don't know whether they were there, when the heavenly hosts and the heavenly choir sang praises to the newborn king. But nobody has to, when you find God in your mess, when you find God in your stable, when the doctors couldn't help you and the lawyers couldn't help you and the bankers couldn't help you and your mama and daddy couldn't help you, when you find God, nobody has to tell you to wear a wristband or a cross around your neck. You'll know that he is Lord because only he can and clean up our mess. Everybody, thank God with me. Put your hands together. You know, one of the first things we want to do when we find ourselves in the stable is blame God. I'm not preaching a little Indian now. Or blame somebody else. The devil comes and sits on your shoulder and close to your ear or send one of his demons and say, this is what you get for going to church. Where's God now? How I many know what I'm talking about? This is what you get for giving your tithes and offerings. This is what you get for giving in the building fund or working with the children's ministry or the youth ministry or being an usher or hospitality or sound or singing in the choir. This is what you get for going to the nursing home or the prison ministry. This is what you get. And the first thing the devil wants you to do is become an enemy of God and not look for God. Can I get an amen? Well, you look all over the Bible. There were people who ended up in the stable who looked for God and found him. Do you remember the story of Joseph? Can I get an amen here? He was sold by his brother's into slavery, one of 12 sons, left his homeland, sold into slavery into Egypt as maybe a 17-year-old. He was sold as a slave to Potiphar. And as a slave, he looked for God and he kept serving God and praying. And he done so well that Potiphar left everything in his house under his control. Didn't, didn't have to look behind him to see if Joseph was a thief Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph and he re refused her gestures and it made her so mad that he rejected her until she accused him of attempted rape and they threw him in jail. And I'm talking about a jail, not like we got in America now where you got cable TV and you got your own gym and weight room and you got your own bathroom in here and you got your, you got your outside where you can shoot basketball. And I'm not against, well, oh God help me here, I'm going to find myself in jail. <laughs> I'm talking the kind of jail where Paul and Silas was, where it smells bad, where you're among all the human waste, where there, there's dimly, there, there's no lights like electrical lights, there's maybe a candle if you're lucky, you don't see the light of day. He was in jail, and if he still trusted God, served God, God anointed him. And don't you know the devil was saying, where's God now that you're serving and he got to interpreting dreams and, and, and Pharaoh found out he, Pharaoh had a dream that none of his people could interpret. And Joseph interprets the dream because he looks for God. And the Bible says, and God gave him favor and God gave him favor and God gave him favor until he interpreted the dream of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh promoted him from a prisoner to the palace and made him the prime minister of Israel. Uh, not Israel, Egypt, pardon me. Thirteen years later, his brothers who thought he was dead, told his daddy he was dead, even took his coat and dipped it in animal's blood and took it back to his daddy and said, your son is dead. Thirteen years later, they come into Egypt looking for food. That's the only place that's got food. And they see this guy in Egyptian garb and they see this guy speaking Egyptian and he's all important and, and there's a lot of pomp and circumstance and oh, an entourage around him and they're thinking, that must be the leader, let's talk to him. And immediately Joseph saw them. He knew who they were and they did not know who he was. He had the 
opportunity, oh help this Holy Ghost preacher, the opportunity to throw them in jail right then. He had the opportunity to whack their heads off. He could, he, he even, so what, what happened is eventually he revealed himself to them and they thought, my God, we're good as dead. He said, and Pharaoh found out who they were and Pharaoh said, you go get your daddy, get your whole family, take ox carts and oxen and take food in this famine. Go get your daddy, go get his, his children, go get his grandchildren, bring them all back here. I'm going to give them the best land and the best place. And let me tell you something. Joseph looked for God and he said to his brothers, what you need to say to the devil and your enemies when you're in the stable, what you meant for evil, God turned around and made it good. And that's where you'll find God. What you meant to curse me by and to hinder me, God will turn it around. You look for God. You'll find him. Job. Everybody in this room is a relative to Job. Have you ever suffered so much you thought you were Job's brother or sister? The man is a righteous man. He loves God. God blesses him because he loves God. Anybody who loves God and serves God, God's going to take care of. Okay? But it, it seems like if, if you've given more and he can trust you with more, he'll give you more. Okay? But if he can't trust you with much because you're not doing anything with what you have, then he's, he's going to leave you like you are because obedience is what blesses us. Job was obedient, serving God, had ten children, had so much cattle, so much livestock, so much camels, so many donkeys, so many sheep, and, and he was just a, a prosperous man. The devil showed up to God one day and said, you know this man, Job, you bless him so much? He's only serving you because you bless him. Now, you let some bad stuff come his way, and he will curse you to your face. And, and God, and I'm not speaking for God, but I, I read this in between the lines. And, and he says, no, no, not Job. Not Job. Job, you see, is different from other, other people. There are people who only serve me for what they can get from me. But there are people who serve me whether I give them or not. They, they, they will serve me. Job in one day lost all of his livestock. A tornado blew down the house with his children and grandchildren in it while they were having a birthday party or celebration, killed all his kids. Job lost all of his servants. He lost all of his wealth. By the time the devil got through attacking Job, Job is sitting on a heap of ashes where a fire used to be. He's got ashes on his head. He's got a sackcloth, burlap clothes on, which represents mourning. There are boils and sores all over his body from his head to his feet. The only relief he can get is to take a piece of broken pottery and scrape the boils. And, 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 and he, was, he, he was so, they were even, oh, I don't want to be gross here, but, but it, was, it, was, it smelled bad. It stunk. Three friends of Job showed up to comfort him. Elphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And if you got friends with names like that, you don't need any enemies. <laughs> what mother, Trey, going to name you Elphaz? <laughs> they show up. Job is in so much agony, they don't even speak for seven days. You know, sometimes it's just good just to show up. Because if you talk too soon, you may take this right here and put it in right there. Going telling people, your mother died because God wanted another flower in his garden. One guy said, maybe you'll die and you'll have some manure. <laughs> don't use that on anybody, okay? God don't kill your children, your mother and daddy because he needs another flower in his garden. Oh, here I go now. 
that offering you gave is going to have a minus. But I'm not trying to make you. I know, I know you mean well. Be careful what you say, okay? Be careful when you go into a, a situation with a four-year-old girl who's got cancer and, and say so-and-so died from it. They don't need to hear that. I'm not preaching little Indian right now, okay? That runs in our family. No, it stops right now. It stops right now. Because God! Job's wife showed up and said, Honey, you just go ahead and curse God and die. We're cursed anyhow. Before you get mad at her, understand that she suffered the loss of everything he suffered. She suffered the loss of 10 children. She suffered the loss of livestock and grandchildren, okay? So don't, let, let me speak for me. Don't be so pious to, to judge Sister Job, okay? That all hope was gone, all right? And, and he said to her in the midst of an ash heap sitting down like this, rocking his body, pulling, putting, uh, oozing boils all around him, smelling nasty. And, and his own friend saying, you must have sinned is why this, no. Be careful what you say. Don't say people sin, that's why they got cancer. Or they sin, that's why they got a heart attack. Or they sin. Do not pronounce that junk on people, okay? You let God be the judge. He's sitting right there and looks up at his wife when she says, curse God. He said, you speak as a foolish woman. Do we just serve God for what we can get from God? He said to his wife, Oh my, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And even though skin worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh will I see God. And God not only gave him black, God gave him back double for his trouble. Everybody give the Lord a chance, a praise here. Double for his trouble. You see, the difference between weak Christians and strong Christians are this, is this. Write it down. Weak Christians only see God in the good stuff. But strong Christians see God in the good stuff and the bad stuff. Come on and say amen. Weak Christians only see God. Gimme, 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 gimme. And strong Christians realize that many are the persecutions or the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. Strong Christians realize we don't just serve God for him to be some Santa Claus in heaven. I'm a preacher now. We serve God because He is God, and it is He that has made us and not we ourselves. Buddha didn't die for his followers. Muhammad didn't die for his followers. Can you help me here, somebody? Hare Krishna didn't die for his followers, and even if they did, they didn't arise again on the third day to give new life. Jesus died, was buried, oh, come on and help me here, was buried, and on the third day, broke the bonds of death, hell, and the grave. And if you're looking for Jesus, he's at the right hand of the Father, right now preparing you a place. Give him thanks. The difference between us weak Christian and strong Christian is that we see God in the, both the good and the bad. Second, second thing you can learn from the wise men is when they came to the stable, they offered their very best to God. When we find a stable instead of a palace, we often attempted to hold back from giving our best. I don't just mean money now. Your marriage started out like a star. Everything was wonderful. As the years go on, went on, some things began to happen communication-wise and financial-wise and raising children and the challenges of it. Now you find yourself in a marriage where he's only giving not even 50%. She's not even giving 50%. Somebody in the world who doesn't understand 
The real meaning of love says you got to give 50% and he's got to give 50% or vice versa. No. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 about what real love is. And real love considers the other more than he does himself or herself. Real love means that you give 100%, whether they're giving 2% or 20%. You love them, you pray for them, you be... Can I get an amen here, somebody? You, you go ahead and be the woman of God or the man of God. You may be going through a rocky place, but you don't back off from saying, I love you. You don't back off without, from saying, let's talk about it. You don't back off and not go to counseling. Can, can I get an amen? You, you get, same on your job. Things, here's, here's, the, here's the way you win when you're in a stable. You do, you give your very best, and then some. Didn't Jesus say, if they ask you for your coat, give them your cloak also? Didn't Jesus say, if they ask you to walk one mile, take two miles? Didn't Jesus say, if they hit you on one cheek, turn the other? But some of you are waiting for, well, what do you do after the second cheek? Do you hit the daylight? No, he didn't say that. Didn't Jesus say, Pray for your enemy. How many of you know it takes some and then some to pray for your enemies? Because in my experience, growing up and being immature, I would pray for my enemy something like this. Oh yes, God, go ahead and kill him. I'm sure glad I'm not God and I'm sure glad you're not God. Jesus said, heap coals of fire over their head by loving them. Somebody says, I hope it burns up their head. That's not Jesus. When you're in a stable, you go ahead and do what is expected and then some. You didn't get the raise. You didn't get the promotion. So you're taking your job. It's just a job. I'll just get through it. But you go ahead and do it because the real boss is looking up. The Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. Can I get an amen? I've been at this, somebody says, for 20 years. Let me tell you. The Bible says your gifts and your talents will make way for you. You won't have to wear a, a big old necklace or, or some kind of credentials on your t-shirt that says, I'm qualified and I can do the job. God, when you do your best, everybody say, and then some. Then God will take care of you. So, so you see, oh, help me, Lord Jesus. I, we've been through a building program. And that's where... As Brother Don told you, I found my stable. I wasn't looking for it. I was following a star. I was following the dream God gave me and the vision God gave me 29 years ago. I told the Lord and my wife together, we said, when, we, when you assign us a church to pastor, this is the first and only church I've ever pastored. And I got this idea, why go anyplace else when you got the best? Please listen to me. I'm not trying to patronize you. I know of other churches. I know of larger churches. I've been given opportunity, not many, because when they found out I was crazy, they declined. <laughs> I have been on boards and committees by my peers, been given high prominence in places, and could have done the political stuff in the church. And I'm not saying that people in the church who have position now have to clarify. Because you've got to think before you talk or else you'll put this in right here. And my point is, God answered Valerie in my prayers 29 years ago. We wanted to raise our children in one community. We wanted to know the church and love the people. We wanted to dedicate their babies, go to their graduation if we could. Now we, we can't go to all of these. 
do their weddings. We wanted to weep with those who weep and praise with those who pray. Dedicate the babies. And the Lord said to build this building. Pastor Jeff will tell you. Because I developed a sort of camaraderie. Everybody needs somebody. I love all the staff. He's been here longer than, than any of the staff. And so over the time, we've, as far as being an attender, but being on staff, the longest has been Anne. And, and Anne is my administrative assistant. And she already knew before you, I confessed that I was crazy. She already knew that. And she stayed with me. But listen to me. The, the star was to build this building, build the, the administrative suite, build the youth center, $6.6 million. Part of that was, was covering a loan that we had on the existing building. And I worried and I fretted and I let some things go because I worried about the building. I'd let some of my prayer time go. I let some of my reading go. I let some of my personal disciplines go because I was building the kingdom. Super pastor. Super, I want to use the word, well, here's how I'm going to tell you. I told Lakeland, we got time for this year, you won't go watch football, so you got a minute. I told, come to the music, come to the music. I, I told Lakeland, he, he and his mother and father were with us with our celebration of our new grandbaby. We were at the restaurant at Longhorns having dinner, and on the wall was a picture of a Cherokee Indian. You know, it's Cowboys and Indians, the theme for Longhorns Restaurant. So I said to Lakeland, my grandson, he's three and a half, I said, do you know Papa's an Indian? He said, no. I said, well, I'm not that kind of Indian, like a feathers and all that, and American Indian, but I'm an India, Indian whose ancestors were born in India, and I'm full-blooded Asian but West Indian Indian. I'm an Indian. And then his Mia said, and your mother, meaning my daughter, Kimberly, is half Indian. And you, Lakeland, you are quarter Indian. And he said, well, what about Mia? I said, well, she's, she's not an Indian. He said, so you mean Mia is nothing? <laughs> so some time transpired from the restaurant till we went to the hospital. We went into the room where Jennifer was preparing to have her child, their child. Lake, uh, Jennifer was there, and so was Edward, her husband, and my wife, and Kimberly, and Lakeland. And I said, Lakeland, tell Uncle Edward and Aunt Jen what Papa is. He said, Papa is an idiot. He couldn't think about Indian, and he said, Papa is an Indian. I said, no, 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 no. I said, you don't want to say that to anybody. But that's what I was worrying about this house and this building program when the Lord says, which one of you by worrying could add anything to your statue? Now that's all you remember. You won't go. <laughs> Last point, and I'm closing with this. When the wise men came to the stable, saw the Christ child. 
offer their best gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Each one of those gifts have particular meaning, and maybe I'll preach about that some other time. They were just not random gifts. There were specific reasons for them. They gave their best. And then the Spirit of God, and God himself in a dream, showed up to them and said, don't go back to Herod. And they did not go back to Herod. Herod got so mad. You remember what he did? He killed every male Hebrew child under the age of two. How many know that that's in the Bible? God was protecting the Christ child. But not only was the Christ child protected who is God, but it changed the direction of the wise men's lives. And I'm going to tell you, in looking, and I don't want to, all about me, but I, I don't know if you've ever been in a stable in your life, in a nasty, stinking place, where you never thought, you're looking at a person who got up at 3 a.m. on February the 3rd, with my body literally shaking, physically shaking, and began a journey, as Don said, for nine months. I was in a stable. You ca I cannot show you a scar of where I suffered. I cannot show you a cast of where I suffered. My medical bills this year has been the most it's ever been in the 56 years I've been living. I keep a file every year for tax purposes about this thick. This year the file is about this thick. I kid you not. I'm not here to beg you for anything. They're all paid, okay? You're talking about people, they look at me, they think he's the same package. Well, what's, what's the deal? How could he have been in the stable? It, I am telling you, I will never be the same. Please, please hear me when I tell you. I want you to understand, if you don't, if you're not changed by seeing God and in the stable and once you're delivered, you go back in, in the old stuff, more demons will come back. Isn't that what the Bible says? If you take God's blessings and God's favor who delivered you from drugs and alcohol, promiscuous sex, uh, uh, gambling, lying, cheating, adultery, fornication, or, or, or racial prejudice, if you take God's blessing who gave you financial blessing, gave you children and, and all this stuff, and you start just living for your own selves, you are opening up the doors for demons. Now God, God doesn't, let me tell you, God doesn't take any delight in hurting his children, okay? But he gave us a free will. And, and I, I'm telling you, I forget now to take my medication. You think that's what's wrong with him? No. I don't need it. Okay? Now listen, listen to me. I, I'll take a few things here and there because I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I went to Dr. Guy Arnold, my physician, who helped me get out of the stable. I went to Dr. Sheila Cannon, my psychiatrist. Yeah, we all need help. If you're in a stable, please don't try to get out by yourself alone. It'll take you a long time and you may not even get out. Get some spiritual help first. Get what Brother Don said. Get some spirit. I, I've been to my chiropractor, Dr. Matt Davis, who helped me get out of my stable. Anybody hearing me? I've been to Peter Tremento, who is the counselor for the recovery house. I had Peter and his wife come up on the stage in the first service, and I am trying to close, but, but, but please understand, okay? He is my counselor. I, you're looking at a man who was full of pride before this happened. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell anybody. I'm the preacher. I'm super pastor. But like Lickland said, I was really a super uh-huh. You know, listen, if somebody wants to help you, I don't want somebody who telling me what to do if they've not been where I've been. Okay, 
I don't want somebody, you know, it's like, a, like we men talking about a woman being pregnant. We ain't got no clue about what that is like, okay? Except if you had a kidney stone, okay? My, my, my point is, my point is that, that I have had my excellent staff. I have had, I've told you my story. I've been to the stable. But I'm here to tell you that I am now stable. You may not be able to tell it, but I got a whoop glory. Stand to your feet all over the house and give the Lord some praise that you're coming out of yours. Come on. Come on. You, come prayer team. Come elders. Come staff. Come prayer people stand to the Come on. Come on. Give the Lord. Give the Lord some praise. Give the Lord some praise. Here. Come on. Give him some praise. I am. It's a journey for me. I'm still on the journey. And every once in a while when I get a little cocky or thinking, I got this, Lord, he reminds me. He reminds me. It ain't about you, Alan. It's about grace and mercy. Bow your heads. I've preached too long, but I hope I've been relevant. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you are not born again, and everything's okay, Pastor, I'm fine, don't need Jesus. You are headed for a stable when God would prepare for you a palace. Because one day every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he's Lord. There are people who are following a star thought they'd live to be 30 and didn't make it to 25. Thought they'd live to be 80 and didn't make it to 60 because no one knows what a day holds. Heads bowed and eyes closed. In everything give thanks. But if you're not born again, you're gambling your soul. Pastor, I'm not born again. I do not serve Jesus. I want to be saved. I'm not going to ask you to leave your chair. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hands if that's you. Hold up your hand. Let the, thank you. Thank you. I'm not going to ask your name. Thank you. I see several hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put them down. Head bowed, eyes closed. You already saved. You didn't raise your hands. I assume you're saved. But you say, Pastor Matura, in your closing prayer, sir, and before they sing, I am in a stable in regard to my marriage. I'm in a bad place, an unpleasant place in regards to my finances, raising my kids, my grandkids. I'm in an unstable place in regards to my health, Pastor. I'm like you. I've got a thick folder. And I want God to change the direction. I want to find God in my stable. And I don't want to curse God and blame somebody. I, I, I want God to change my, my situation. Raise your hands if you didn't raise it earlier. Oh, I knew there'd be many of us. Now lift up both of your hands to the Lord, everybody in the house. Lift up your head and, and just tilt your head toward heaven. And begin right now to give yourself. Say, Lord, I rededicate myself to you. If you're not saved, I want you to begin to pray. Lord, I want you to forgive my sins. Simply, if you're not saved, say, God, forgive me of my sins and come into my life. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and my Savior. You're not just a star. You're not a baby anymore, Jesus. You are God Emmanuel with us. Come on, lift those hands and begin to pray over your family. Begin to pray over your, your, your loved ones. I'm going to pray right now as you pray. Go ahead, keep praying. My dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. And I ask you in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we would quit trying to be superman or superwoman, super husband or super wife. Oh God, we quit wearing this mask, oh God, and acting like we got it all together. And we'll crumble at the foot of the cross. Come on, somebody help me here. Oh God, that we would fall, by, not I mean to injure our bodies, but we would, we would humble ourselves in the Lord. And that we will say, God, I've tried and I've made it worse. 
but I want you, God, to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. I want you, God, to fix my mind and fix my body. I want you to give me boldness. I want you to give me love. Help me to forgive the unforgivable. Help me to love the unlovable. Help me to go the extra mile, oh God, whether I get credit for it or not. Help me to do what you tell me to do and bless who you tell me to bless. I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Put your hands together and thank Him. Let me, let me tell you this. This week, I am going to be in, Cle in, in Cleveland, Tennessee on Tuesday for the funeral of Brother, Brother Kelly. And then after that, I'll be in Sevierville, Tennessee. I'm a member of the board of directors for the Church of God Home for Children, Smoky Mountain Children's Home, which is an orphanage the Church of God has. It has numerous orphanages around the world. This orphanage has been in existence for almost 90 years. The kids in this orphanage come from all over the country and some from Tennessee. They thought they would follow a star, but they ended up in intensive care because of an abusive parent, or they ended up left to somebody else. There's about 50 of them, and I'm going to take an offering from this church this week, and I'm going to hand it to them, and I don't care if they never see our faces, but I want them to help them to see the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to, it's Christmas, and we're going to, come on, give the Lord thanks. Sing, sing for me, sing. Come on, lift your hands. Let's sing with them. Come on. Light of the world, Come on, sing it, everybody. Step down into dark. If you need prayer, somebody's waiting for you. Open come if you need prayer. Eyes, come if you just want somebody. You got to get out of your comfort zone and come on down. Somebody pray for you. That made come on, come on. Everybody, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. I know it's late and I apologize. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.